we have now borne witness to the end. The culmination of years-long power struggles, unlikely alliances, shocking betrayals, and at the heart of it all, the coveted seat of power for the ruler of a collapsing country. The beloved HBO series came to a fitting end, paying off years of commentary on amorality and the corrupting influence of power with a finale that gave us some surprises and some fitting send-offs for all our favorite characters. I am talking, of course, about Veep, which came to a close last weekend with Selena Meyer re-elected president at the cost of everything dear to her. In a flash-forward sequence at Selena's funeral in the 2040s, her only notable accomplishment as president is revealed to be abolishing gay marriage. For a show that spent six seasons showing politicians being horrible scumbags, Veep could not have gone out on a more fitting note. Man, I need to watch Veep. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so now what do you think of Game of Thrones? Yeah, I don't know. It was alright. Yeah. Welcome to the Hit Point Pals review of... Not review. It's the Hit Point Pals uh, retrospective on Game of Thrones. It's our post-finale episode special. I'm Travis Lean. I'm joined today by... Will Suit. Yeah. Caleb Warwick. Yeah. And Rebecca Markley. Hello, hello. Aw. So this is. (laughs) I thought so too, but I don't have any control over what comes out of everyone else's mouth. So, um, this is not a, uh, this is not a reaction episode. This is not a, we're reacting to the finale. However, I am. I do think as part of, initial formalities we should just kind of get that part out of the way so if everyone would just like to say a few words about how you felt um anything that you want to just get out of the way if you have any minor quabbles about water bottles appearing (laughs) in scenes or i didn't like when this guy said that or what have you now is the time there was one scene where Tyrion was moving chairs and it felt like it was an entire hour, <laughs> but it was at the end of the episode and I was just like, wow, this is really how it ends, huh? This is really how it ends. There's no I- Night King. <laughs> like, wow, 10 minutes left. Hmm. I wonder when the Night King's going to show up. Can you turn your gain down just a couple decibels? Yes, I can. Thank you. <laughs> I was, um, I don't know, I was just really disappointed. I was, uh, that, that whole last episode felt like, just like, pointless. Completely pointless. That's just how I felt about it, really. Cool. I don't know what else to say. I enjoyed the fact that they made the character who did not understand the concept of a lone master of coin. Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. Um, on the whole, I actually Wait, are you liked... saying that facetiously? Yes, quite. Oh, okay. Um, on the whole, I actually liked the finale. I think it's my favorite part of this season so far. Okay. I, I enjoyed how it just kind of ended with like a whimper. In a, in a <laughs> weird way. I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed that because it's like, you know, the wheel keeps going on, you know? Yeah, a lot of bad shit's happened and these people's stories have concluded, but there's still, you know, more things to do in the future, and it just kind of ends there. Is this a reference to Danny trying to break the wheel when you say yeah. the wheel keeps on turning? 
Yeah, I mean, it just, it's not really broken. Things are just still going on. Sure, maybe some things about the way the kingdom chooses a king are different, but it's still pretty much the same. I give it one out of three dragons. Interesting scale. Uh, Rebecca? Um, I don't know. I feel like it was a pretty mixed bag for me. There were moments that I was really pleased about, and then there were other moments where I was just like, okay, um, why? Uh... Like, I was really just sort of blown away that there was only, like, two lines of, like, dialogue that convinced, um, or, like, that, um, Sansa said to convince, like, everybody else to make the, the North independent, and I was shocked that everyone else was okay with that. Especially um, Yara. Yeah, right? She yeah. looked miffed, but she also looked like she didn't want to say anything. Yeah, I just thought that was really, I don't know silly and stupid um it didn't like make any sense to me in like the context of the story um also i guess bran deciding he's gonna like skip out on small council meetings to go warg into a dragon um i don't know i just thought that was also kind of stupid (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like hopping into his VR headset and skipping town. Yeah. Oh man, that's yeah. Also, why I does know, I feel like? Oh, sorry. Continue. I feel like Bran, like he just like kept saying like, "Oh yeah, I don't want to be king or not lord or whatever." It's like I don't want to do this. Oh, this is all supposed to happen for a reason. Uh, like specific points throughout the show, like. Oh, this is supposed to happen, yada yada. And then he's like, I don't want to be Lord. And then <laughs> he's like, You guys are all here for a reason. Why do you think I'm here? To be king. That's right. I want to be the king the whole time. But then like, when he what? appoints Tyrion Hand, doesn't he say, I don't want to be king and you don't want to be Hand or something like that? I don't know. Dude. <laughs> he He does, to be fair, yeah, he does say he doesn't want to be king. But like at the same time, he was implying like that he knew he was gonna be king with that statement. I was like, "What? Like, what?" I don't know. I've, I just, I've had ugh. trouble interpreting Bran's three-eyed raven character when the three-eyed raven, as Bran is first introduced, I am fully buying into that concept of he is the three-eyed raven. But then, as you get further into season seven, he starts saying some things that are pretty like human or pretty brand like even though it's still in a monotone voice so i don't know how much i buy that he is the three-eyed raven whether that's like his acting performance or just what the way the script was written i don't know it's kind of like how in star trek like for the most part i buy that like the vulcans don't have emotions but then there's clearly like there's several scenes where you have to like you have to give them a lot of leeway to keep buying into that sort of canon. Well, no, the Vulcans do have emotions, though. Oh, like, they do? Yeah, they do have emotions. It's just they're I thought they culturally... Spock had emotions because he was, like, half Vulcan. Maybe? Mm. I always assumed that the Vulcans... Because the Romulans are, like, a type of Vulcan, and they have, like, the exact inverted philosophy where emotions are very big and, like, oh, to be okay. focused on, and logic is to, like take kind of a backseat, whereas for the Vulcans, it's, you're supposed to conduct yourself in, like, a logical manner. I could be wrong, but I always thought that, like, the Vulcans did have emotions, but it was, like, okay. not something that, they No, that culturally... makes sense. This, this is just my very rudimentary 
knowledge of Star Trek lore. I maybe a better comparison would have been like a like android character, right? Yeah. And how like no matter what, there's still a human person acting, but also like sometimes the script is written in a way where it's like it wouldn't make any sense for an android to say something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminds me of like Geralt too. Like he's supposed to like from The Witcher, but he's supposed to like strip all emotion away since he was like a kid. And he still is able to show emotion at the same time not showing emotion, like through sarcasm and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's what Will was saying. Thought. Like, it's a, yeah. it's like a cultural thing, so it makes sense for him to slip up. I'm talking about, like, the Three-Eyed Raven. If the Three-Eyed Raven is really, has really taken over Bran's corporeal form, then I shouldn't be seeing any Bran there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess overall... My takeaway from the finale was I just was really surprised by how little surprises there were in this final episode, and really over the past couple final seasons for a show that has spent so long giving us a lot of good surprises, I felt a distinct lack of surprise in in this episode, especially with it being the finale, and shows are known to go out on surprises and I didn't feel surprised enough to be all that satisfied. Uh, overall, I was pretty lukewarm about the finale. Um, the way that all of the characters had been set up through season eight, I just kind of watched them all land in like all the places they belonged. But that being said, like it felt fitting, but it just didn't really feel like, a Game of Thrones ending, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would definitely mm-hmm. agree. I was not expecting a happy ending at all. Yeah, right. and I feel like it was quite happy. It was. No, it was like, oh, I don't... I was just... I was really, really hoping for a dark ending. Something like, you know, the hero doesn't win this time. Hey, maybe everyone dies. Maybe the hero dies. You know, something like that. Not... All of everyone that was good in the show survives and all the bad guys die. You know, just like, oh, come on. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of, like, playing it safe. <laughs> well, I it's interesting, Will, that you said you felt like it went out on a whimper. And I think there yeah. were a lot of quiet scenes. But I think overall, I don't really agree with that because it ends on a very, like, high note. You get this montage between the last of the starks and it's it's definitely supposed to feel like a very triumphant and big ending i think mm-hmm. uh except for maybe john and his ending walking off into the woods uh is a bit ambiguous and that didn't feel all that triumphant but i felt like the way it pre- was presented was supposed to be like this is our big bombastic ending everything's pretty triumphant i mean there's the background of of daenerys was killed but i mean in the end it's like that's what had to happen in in this world for it to not all go to shit so there's not really all that much to be sad about i the only thing i was really sad about was i felt real bad for drogon (laughs) i was like oh no he's so sad you know what i was thinking about the whole time that episode so at the very start of the episode gray worm was like executing prisoners right and then Tyrion commits treason. Well, I mean, he already did commit treason, but tells Daenerys. 
and then Jon Snow kills Daenerys, and then Grey Worm keeps them both prisoner. And I mean, like, I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like in character at all for Grey like, Worm. I could, yeah, I was just like, I would really love to talk about them? Grey Worm as well as Tyrion, and probably Jon Snow a little bit. But I think at this point, I want to do the thing where we go around and talk about our personal histories with the show, as well as the books. So, whoever wants to go first. Just like, how you got into the show, did you read the books? I'll, here, I'll go first, just in case people need a second to gather their thoughts. Um, I know that I started watching the show right before I think season three premiered or it might have been like after it might have been while the show was airing actually um I had heard a lot of good things about the show and at this point the only like tv show that I had uh the only like cable tv show non-network tv show that I had experienced was uh just a couple seasons of The Walking Dead and so once I got into Game of Thrones it kind of opened up a lot of avenues for me to start discovering that like, oh, hey, TV can actually be good. And so from there, I discovered things like uh, Homeland and like The Expanse and Breaking Bad and just a lot of other really great cable dramas that I didn't really know existed because like I didn't really grow up in a house with cable. So my knowledge of television was like House MD, which had goofy production sometimes and commercial breaks and it did it felt very distinct from film to me and with game of thrones i started to feel like a television show could be like very comparable to to uh, a a film in terms of quality and presentation and storytelling um and so yeah it was just kind of it it opened me up to a lot of other shows as well and then I of course really enjoyed following the show and reading about all of the lore of Westeros and uh the world of Ice and Fire I got really into um and then yeah it was it was very strange to see it all finally come to an end for me uh cuz I felt like it hadn't really even been that long since it started even though it was like 9 years ago at this point uh, and I, I feel like I, like this show has, has existed for many years of my life and I've gone through many things over the course of those years. So it's just a strange thing to, to have attached and to, to me and to be able to look back on and think like, oh, this is where I was at this point in my life when this season was airing or when I saw this episode. Yeah, um, I guess I could talk about how I got into Game of Thrones as well. <laughs> I didn't uh, read any of the books either. That was something I meant to mention. Yeah, I have. I haven't either. Um, I really like dark fantasy. My first introduction to dark fantasy was um, let's see, what was it? Uh, Sonic. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was I think The Witcher Two, like, like officially like diving into it and like uh -huh. absorbing the lore, and um, 
I really liked it, and then I started reading like the books and stuff, and I loved it. I'm surprised I didn't start reading Game of Thrones. But um, yeah, I never read the Game of Thrones books, but I've always heard everything about the show, how amazing the show is, how all your favorite characters are going to die, how, you know, stuff like that. And I, I think I officially started watching it like three years ago. So um, <clears throat> I caught up and finished season seven this like a couple months ago, actually. So then I was all caught up a couple months beforehand, season eight, and um, didn't wait as long, didn't wait nearly as long as anyone else has waited for this show. Um, but I became obsessed with it, actually. Um, I was, like, watching so many YouTube videos on it, looking up, like, um, outside lore of, you know, Westeros and uh, Planetos and, like, all sorts of other stuff. I still haven't read the books. I just... Right now in my life, I don't have enough time to read something like that. But um, yeah, I I really, really, really enjoyed um, just everything about Game of Thrones, except like the last couple episodes of season eight. But um, yeah, it was it was just kind of like a a new experience, and it also just like you, Travis, opened up a new path. Like um, TV, like I've only watched a couple. TV shows really in my life that I really liked all the way through like Breaking Bad. I really liked Daredevil on Netflix. Um and a couple other shows, but um yeah, it's definitely gave me a new perspective on what TV can be and how good it could be. Um so it kind of sets a new expectation level. And who knows, maybe we'll get something like this in the future. Who knows, this might be the last of what we get. I don't know, but um, I mean, for what it is and for what it accomplished, regardless of what I thought of the last couple episodes of the season, it's pretty fucking fantastic. So, yeah, those, that's kind of how I got into Game of Thrones and um, Excellent. my thoughts behind it. I'll go. Um... I read the books first. I read like the first three books before I started watching the show. Um, so like I didn't, I like I experienced the the you know the death of Ned Stark like on the page. It was actually spoiled for me Ooh. on accident by my father, which I was pretty upset about. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he like reading it. He's like Ned Stark dies. Yeah, I, I was like literally a few chapters before that, and he was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so sad when Ned dies, right?" And I was like. <laughs> Fuck you. (laughs) I was really, really mad. Um, But, yeah, and then just sort of, like, continued to read the books as I, you know, got around to them and um, continued watching the show. Um, I also didn't start watching the show until, like, the third season was coming out. Like, I think I, like, sort of just, like, binge-watched, like, the first two seasons, and then when, like, the third season started, I was caught up. And ready to go with that. Um, but yeah, also, I've, I don't know, I really enjoy like fantasy as like a genre. Um, you know, like got started when I was like six years old with Harry Potter and then just sort of 
read other series like Seven Waters and Name of the Wind and things like that. And it's just been like a huge part of my life in general. Um, and so Game of Thrones has really just kind of been like a cornerstone and just like the media that I really enjoy and played in like a really important role in just sort of like me as like a, as a, I guess, a, a media consumer and um, that kind of thing. Um, I also... Like, similarly to you, um, Travis, uh, Game of Thrones opened up, like, the world of television. I also didn't grow up watching cable, so I really had no idea what, what TV there was. And um, Game of Thrones was, like, the really first show that kind of, like, got me into just sort of, like, visual media in general. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even really, like, watch any movies before that because just didn't didn't do that I was mostly just like a book nerd and um yeah got really engrossed in the lore um really involved with just like the fan fiction community online um all kinds of wonderful things like that so we both started watching during season three yeah so we both we both experienced the the red wedding live yeah I think yeah that's that is that that was just very memorable to me, oh, as yeah. far as reactions from all the people in the spheres of the internet. Mm -hmm. I just rem I, I I was really like excited about it because like I knew it was going to happen, and I just really oh, wanted see, I to didn't see. I know it was going to happen. Yeah, I really wanted to see like how they would do it, um, and like I wanted to know like what how the internet would respond. You know, like how. Yeah, like I wanted to know how Tumblr would react and it was it was really really cool to see that like unfolding and being able to just sort of like participate in this sort of like collective conversation that we were all experiencing together. Mhm. Mm oh yeah, that's that's a really cool experience. Like everybody coming together and reacting mm -hmm. the exact same time to like all of the stuff that's going on. That was also the episode that just solidified my uh, obsession with the show. Like once I had seen that episode, I knew I was going to have to stick with the show until the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Oh man. There's a lot of episodes like that for me. Like especially I, I love the Red Wedding. Um, that was a fantastic episode for me that, like, I I don't know. I just haven't seen anything like that in, like, television or anything. So it was really cool, and I don't know. Just a lot of the storylines and stuff just kept me along. And to be fair, like, every episode that I watched, it did not feel like filler at all, which was also really nice. <laughs> That there's not just like one episode where it's like they're walking for an entire hour with no dialogue or something like that. I don't know what I'm like comparing to, but I you're I just know, thinking I just of like, like avant-garde cinema. At this yeah, point. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just like I was really impressed that every episode was able to keep my attention. Essentially, even season eight, it still kept my attention. But aside from the point. <laughs> Will, we haven't heard from you yet. Yeah, uh, I think I started watching near the end of season three, or maybe the start of season four. I I, I don't think I was watching it when the Red Wedding happened, so it, it must have been like start of season four or so. Mm -hmm. um, so I got like 
season one and that like that really I, I don't know I was really hooked into that um season two was great I I I don't know that show like yeah the red wedding like I had heard people say I've seen videos of like reactions to red wedding I didn't watch the videos but I had seen them like all over YouTube and it's like oh okay okay when is this then it happens <laughs> on the show and it's like oh shit and yeah I think for me that was when it was like all right okay this show will like fucking sh- like I did not expect this and now I know like oh oh geez so yeah that that for me was like a big hook for the show season five kind of annihilated a lot of my interest in the show mm-hmm. I kind of stopped watching a lot of season five. I just I would go back and catch up with them but I didn't watch them when they came out six I felt kind of indifferent about season seven was in, had neat moments and a lot of funny memories. <laughs> and I think season five and on, my opinion of the show was a lot... I don't know. It, it was never quite what it was at like one, two, three, and four for me. Um, but I still like, I still liked the show quite a lot. Like I I had only read the first book. I haven't read any of the others. Um, I'd like to, but I, I don't know if I will. Um, I've always been a big fan of like low fantasy and I've always liked a lot of HBO shows. Like, I don't know, I liked HBO's Rome, even though that was only two seasons, and I liked HBO's, like, John Adams. I really liked those. Um, so, yeah, Game of Thrones was really, really neat, and it was, like, it was fantasy, and it had all these great actors. It was just... I had never seen anything like that on television. I usually don't like things that stick around for very long. I have a hard time with things that go on for more than just, like, a couple of years, but of course, Game of Thrones has gone on for a whole lot longer than that, and I've stuck with it because it's just so. I don't know. I I couldn't get my fix for this anywhere else. I feel the same way. I think hell. one of the. Oh, sorry. Were you continuing? Oh no, I just said no. hell yeah. Oh, okay. I heard and. That's <laughs> oh no. Um, and. One thing that I have witnessed take place over the span of Game of Thrones is just kind of keeping in mind that this is a the genre of this show, right? It's fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. There's it's sword and sorcery to an extent. Um, it's the type of thing that you know most of the like most of the like regular like white collar world kind of looks down on, like oh you guys you guys LARP. Like, this is goofy. This is goofy as hell. You guys, what do you do? Just, like, just hang out in your basement and LARP? Um, and so it's yeah. been very interesting to see just kind of, like, everyone from, like, every walk of life come together over a show that's about, like, knights and castles and dragons. And so I'm curious if anyone has any observations about that, maybe in your social circles, or just any theories about that that anyone would like to to divulge in because i find that aspect very interesting like it feels like it's a kind of a phenomenon that has surpassed even like star wars because i feel like star wars is still kind of by a lot of people looked down on as like, oh, goofy sci-fi lasers and stuff but i feel like most everyone is is super into game of thrones except for like you know there's always the like the cynical group of people who are like i, I don't want to be a part of the big thing I noticed one thing on social media, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Like, it's it's not people who watch Game of Thrones; it's people who don't watch Game of Thrones that get the like shaft. Like, everyone's just like, "Dude, shut up!" Like, no one cares. Like, I always think that's hilarious because like everyone's just like, 
throws tomatoes at the people who don't watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And they announce that. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. But to be fair, I think it's kind of the shift of like um, media culture and just our like, you know, video games and stuff like that. Everything becoming more mainstream and not considered like a nerd thing to do. Like, um, I think people just don't really care anymore, to be honest. Like, Game of Thrones is well written, and that's one thing. And to throw dragons and knights and stuff on top of that, too, I guess that's where it could be seen as like, oh, this is, this is a nerdy thing. But like I said, people, I don't think people really care about that anymore. They just see a new form of media. I mean, shoot, uh, Avengers, all that stuff, you know, superheroes. Yeah. Um, what, Endgame just like topped the number one movie thing in the world or whatever. Um, not movie in the world, but it beat Avatar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that means anything because Avatar falls in the same line, but, um, but uh, MCU references and merchandise and discussion is everywhere you go. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, back when that stuff started, I guess that's where you could kind of associate the association with like nerd culture and like being looked down upon of like with their fan bases but you know as as the 21st century and you know unfolds no one i don't think cares anymore so it's more of like everyone's just gonna embrace what's good and what's not good whether it's a superhero or a medieval fantasy or whatever um if it's good it's good game of thrones good right so something's good people are gonna watch it really it i know i think this is gonna progress like that oh sorry um i know most of my friends didn't start watching game of thrones until like the sixth season and i think at that point it was just sort of like because everyone else is doing it they will also Mm -hmm. jump on the bandwagon and um which is funny because i literally was trying to get everybody to watch it when i started watching it or when i started reading the book so i was like hey you, you need to read these hey you need to watch this show um and I think just, like, as it got more popular and, you know, it did more crazy things, like, I guess, like, kind of took, like, changed television and storytelling in general. Um, I think just more people, like, got on board with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, one of my best friends actually just started watching the, um, the, just started from watching from the beginning, like, it, like I think after like the second episode aired because she was just like I can't like I just have to know what everyone's talking about (laughs) like I like you know was like oh it's whatever oh it's fantasy like oh it's stupid you know it's sexist and violent and I don't want that and then at this point she was like no I I have to watch it and she's just been having a blast so I'm really jealous of her I wish I could go back and re-experience it from you know like just entirely as like a new thing like that would be so cool but seriously there's so many things i want to do with that (laughs) but we have those experiences now so we can't get rid of those sure uh will you kind of give your outline of how you felt about each season uh which Uh, i yeah that that was that was that was interesting that was good um i i think it might be a good idea if we kind of do the same or just kind of if we can go through them oh and more in depth more in depth yeah so like or does anyone want to give kind of their kind of what Will did kind of their general 
impressions, maybe like strengths and weaknesses uh, that they felt from just looking back at the series overall as a whole now? This is going to sound, I'm, I just want to, this is going to sound maybe, maybe not too cool to a lot of folks, but I, I talked with Travis about this, but like I, I mentioned with like, oh, I loved HBO's John Adams. I, my favorite parts of Game of Thrones were when people were sitting around and talking. Like the, all the, a lot of the boring stuff for a lot of people, that to me was like my favorite. And I, and a lot of the big action scenes just kind of felt very hollow to me. I, I wasn't too interested in them. Some of them I really enjoyed, but I don't know. For me, the highlights of Game of Thrones have always been people sitting around and talking. So is that a unique a unique experience to you in this show, or is that how you feel about media in general? Um, uh, I think that's how I feel about like lots of television and film. I like a lot of like, I guess just in th- for films, I like a lot of like very long and slow things. I very much enjoy that. I like experimental. I like surreal film, and I like just dramas. <laughs> but I usually don't talk about like the dramas yeah. because I don't know anyone who's like, dude, we gotta talk about this drama film. Well, we gotta talk about this movie. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just how I feel about some of this stuff. Not I mean, that I, not that I hate stuff like action. Like I don't hate that. Like I I love I love it. But that's not my I don't know. That's not my top ranking thing. Well, well it's like it, things are allowed to have good action and good writing and dialogue. You know, they yeah. can coexist. It doesn't have to be good action and like shitty dialogue or good dialogue and shitty action. You know, they could they could both be present. You know, like my like favorite. One... Oh, sorry. Yeah, what hmm? were you saying? I was gonna say like. Um, I love whenever Varys was on screen and Tyrion, um, they, they were just like, just everything about them and their characters. I loved, I love their dialogue. I love like what they had to say to whoever they were talking to, yada, yada. Um, they, they were my favorite characters, especially for dialogue. Um, and then like a great example for me and like one of my favorite, um, scenes in television history and in, in the few scenes or the few shows that I've watched um I, I was just saying the history of Caleb's television viewing um probably Battle of the Bastards like that that action all of that was just like it was so cool to watch and see go get thrown down and like the stakes and everything built up to it beforehand just it was it just shows that like everything good writing and dialogue and action can coexist and oh man just so many cool scenes and stuff like that happens in game of thrones that you just won't get anywhere else really like in a lot of other shows this has action and stuff but not like the production and scale of game of thrones in general too so yeah in the later seasons I like Battle of the Bastards. I remember them hyping it up beforehand. Um, Battle of Winterfell, of course, and episode five. There was the the show HBO and the actors and everyone like hyped up these big action sequences. But I do remember season four, which is as an aside, that's by far my favorite season out of all of them. Um, oh yeah. Episode nine of that season is 
I believe titled The Watchers on the Wall, and that one features the mm-hmm. Battle of Castle Black. And it could have that been that one. I just wasn't really online at the time, but from my knowledge, I don't recall anyone ever like hyping that battle up. And it was kind of the first large-scale battle on the show. I know there was the Battle of the Blackwater. Um, but uh, That one was I, cool. I, re- I was just so blown away by the Battle of Castle Black, and I remember over the because it's so long and it's just so good and filled with tension and good moments and over the course of that episode i remember realizing like or thinking to myself like i haven't really seen anything like this since the lord of the rings in film and i felt like the the battle at castle black was like it was very comparable in storytelling and in like cinematic production quality to like the battle of helm's deep is is what i was thinking in my head and i still think that not to difficult to compare because it's two different mediums and not to say that one is better than the other but i do remember thinking like this is like on on par with with how a a film as big as like the lord of the rings is is made and how it's able to convey this large-scale sense of action and tension and and character moments Mm -hmm. i just really liked um the whole dynamic between um Jon Snow and um, what's her face, Wildling, um, Egrid, yeah, and just like the whole battle scene, and you know their ending at the very end of that battle scene, and just how everything was played out. I really, I really like that battle scene as well too. It was like the Thens and the Wildlings and everybody. Oh man, it was a good one. I think that was like my second favorite one, my second favorite battle. Compared to like the Battle of the Bastards, that was that's easily my first one. But yeah, just that was a very good comparison of the Lord of the Rings too. Because like when I was watching the show, um, I was sort of thinking the same thing too. I'm like, like seriously, this is a TV show and it looks just like, if not better than, um, some movie fantasies that I've grown up watching and stuff. Yeah, and that hooked me for sure. Uh, as far as quality of the seasons goes, uh, like it's such a it's such a high quality show, just in an overall sense of of view, that I find it difficult to say like a season was bad or anything, because like it's true, um, but also compared to like other television, like it's just it's not even comparable, really, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But where I felt the show lacked in quality was basically any point in which it diverged from the source material. And one of mm-hmm. the first times that happens is in... Is it season five or is it early in four? When John goes north of the wall to kill the mutineers at Craster's Keep? Uh, that must be early in season four. Um... But that was a point where myself, as well as a lot of people, felt like they weren't sure what was going on at this point. They weren't sure like what part of the story this was serving. It felt to a lot of people like it was filler, and I think at the time it might have been. Um, because at this point, I believe they must have still been expecting The Winds of Winter and A Dream of Spring, and I think... At this point, they were still trying to buy some time for those releases. 
Uh, and so we got kind of these extended uh, sequences filling up the episodes where Dion goes off to, and he like almost runs into Bran, but doesn't. Uh, and those moments were always really interesting to see people's reactions, especially the people who had read the books and thought these sequences were interesting, but also weren't really sure what they added to the story and wondered if maybe there was some sort of payoff coming up later. But now, of course, we know that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, thoughts, I guess. Mm-hmm. I know for me, yeah. I felt this, the, the series kind of like go downhill <clears throat> was when, you know, they started really, really speeding up the timeline, mm-hmm. um, which happened like a little bit in season six and then really, really bad in like se- uh, seven and then eight, because yeah. one of my favorite, I guess, I think probably my favorite season was season two, where people just spend like the whole season, like walking across Westeros. And I just love I love that kind of like what you were going, what you said before, Will, about just like the dialogue and the banter mm-hmm. and just sort of like, I guess, like slice of life kind of storytelling is like, I love that. I love that shit so much. And um, I just felt like all those, I think all the things that I really enjoyed were kind of just like chopped out in favor of these like really, really big sort of battle scenes and like really really epic moments and like everything had to be just like so much like the stakes had like had to like they sort of like artificially made the stakes higher um at times and i just like you know didn't really feel that that was really appropriate like the whole um fight with the waif and like are you just like getting stabbed i just thought that was really um unnecessary you know like there was no big payoff she just got stabbed and then you know fell into the river and then she killed the waif and it was fine you know um sorry i kind of like lost my train of thought um but yeah i just think that when they just like needed to like get to a specific point and there wasn't just like you know oodles and oodles of of book material to just like comb through um I think that's when the, like the writing really kind of fell apart for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never read the books or anything, so I can't really compare it to anything, but um except just like knowing which parts were from the books and which part is source material and stuff, you know. Um but I didn't really notice much of it. I didn't really have any problem with really any of like season one through like seven mate there's like a few slow parts i guess um but yeah really season one through seven like season seven especially like it's when um all the action and um everything started ramping up even more um so i really enjoyed that and one thing with game of thrones is like the in my opinion i think the only negative that can show up is just in the writing because all of the acting is great, cinematography is great, the music's great, the sound design's great, you know, costumes, everything. Um, and when something negative is present, it's just more of like the writing. Um, you know, you'll get a few weird things here and there, like in the later seasons. Um, but then it really shows in season eight, for me anyways. 
Um, but I've really only had a problem with a few things here or there, and I actually kind of sort of forgot about them at the end of these few episodes of the last season. But, like, all in all, regardless, it's still like nothing you're going to really experience in television, essentially. Yeah, I mean, what other show could give us a line like, you want a good girl, but you got, but you need a bad pussy? <laughs> that I will never forget. Like, that, that just, Jesus. like, for season... I had forgotten about that. I had Part about season about five well. is, like, did that, like, at the, like, the conclusion, like, near the conclusion for season five was for me just, like, what the fuck am I watching anymore? And that was, like, that to me, uh, that's a line I can't forget. It's just I think I'm so very thankful funny. for that reminder. It is so funny. That is absolutely one of the, one of the... You want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. <laughs> it's like, oh, nice. Poetry um, to, to that, to that <laughs> point, um, I would, I just, I want to ask... Caleb, you just mentioned kind of the concept of the writing, the quality of writing diminished mm -hmm. over time of the series. Will, you mentioned that the bad pussy line, this must, this is indicative to you of, of this is bad dialogue. Is that correct? Uh, kind of. I mean, as a whole, I don't actually mind it that much, but to me, it's just so, <laughs> it's funny to yeah. me. It's just so like, I don't know. That line just makes me laugh. It's great. In, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> a bad kind of way. So, yeah, on that note, I think I'll say from my point of view as just kind of like a like a film studies person, um, and of course, I haven't, I, I, there's no, I don't have access to a screenplay of this, but from watching the episodes, like, I, I, I can picture what the screenplay looks like, and I think to the point of the quality of dialogue being written, worse and worse kind of as the seasons go on especially with like Tyrion kind of making just a lot of cock jokes rather than actual funny things <laughs> um i could i can very much agree with that i think in terms of 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 writing like just in a general screenwriting sense i don't think it could have been written any better with what they were given and to clarify i i think the problems came from production decisions namely the number of episodes that they wanted to have. And I think this really, like, uh, this really backed some of the screenwriters for the episodes into a corner because they were left with yeah. a lot less pages to work with. And so I think that, like, from the perspective of, of not to say, like, oh, it's good for what they were given, because that's, like, mm -hmm. that's a shitty way to rationalize anything. But I, I think because the screenwriters were set up with, this uh window of time in which they had to put these episodes i, I think the screenwriting quality on the show is like the is like the best in the business honestly um i i think it, it gets kind of not to reduce it to like technicality points or anything but i think sorry i'm trying to mess with my gain while this is happening it's going all over the place i need to just open my steam and go to like uh, how do you make it not Automatic volume control. There we go. That's off now. Hopefully, I can, <laughs> hopefully I can edit that so it doesn't bounce all over the place. Um, yeah, I think it kind of gets miscategorized as the writing is bad because I, I think the screenwriting has still been, uh, excellent. <clears throat> Sorry, this is just very frustrating. I might just need someone else to jump in in a second. Um, but I think it's always going to be a very contentious point as to, like 
why the series of episodes, why like why the seasons were shortened from less than ten. And I have some interview stuff I have pulled up here that I can read in a second. Well, after I figure this out, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna let someone else jump in right now. I, I think one of the big things with like the later seasons and like people's complaints about like writing or how the show goes or pacing is like when they had the books and would use them a lot, they have an entire book to sift through and they can remove parts that don't work out so well. And they can highlight a lot of really, really good moments. They've got like a huge, they have a huge resource to draw from. Whereas once they start to deviate away from that, it's up to them to be writing all of this and coming out, coming up with all of it. And once that starts, it doesn't really end. So they kind of have to, they don't, they no longer have the benefit of having that huge uh, resource. Okay. Um, let me read some stuff here. So this is from a 2015 interview with HBO programming president, Michael Lombardo. He says, we started this journey with David and Dan. It's their vision. Would I love the show to go 10 years as both a fan and a network executive? Absolutely. If they weren't comfortable going beyond seven seasons, I trust them implicitly and trust that that's the right decision, as horrifying as that is to me. And then, in a more recent interview, uh, David Benioff says, HBO would have been happy for the show to keep going, to have more episodes in the final season. We always believed it was about 73 hours, and it will be roughly that. As much as they wanted more, they understand that this is where their story ends. Interesting. All I know is, uh, um, didn't didn't HBO offer t- ten seasons to this as well to Game of Thrones? And See, my understanding like... from these interviews and from other pieces I've read is that they were willing to let the show go on as long as they wanted, but that it was mostly David Benioff and Dan Weiss uh, taking creative control and saying, "This is where we want to end it." And I think that's confused mm. a lot of people, especially after seeing the last two seasons, seven and eight, and feeling like things were not given the proper time span that should have been allotted to the amount of plot twists and turns and it changes and traveling and everything that's going into these stories being condensed into just six or seven episodes. Hmm. Yeah, I think that doesn't make sense to me because, like, I guess even from, like, a writing standpoint, like, you have to, like, know when you're, like, going into the writer's room and you're, like, thinking about, like, how you want to tie up these plot lines that, like, you just have to, like, skip over things. And, like, I just want to know, like, why they justify, like, how could they justify that? Um, Yeah, and, I mean, they pretty much just are very flaky on like giving any sort of justification it's just kind of like this is where we knew it had to end and this is where we said it was going to have to end and we made hbo be okay with that Hmm. because it just feels really unsatisfying yeah i mean that was my reaction over the last few seasons yeah where like you have you know, the first four seasons, which are just, like, absolutely excellent. And then I just think, like, after, like, I guess, like, the pacing just, like, felt so, like, unrealistic. I don't know, just, like, it was, I, I like, was unable to suspend a lot of my disbelief um, when people were just, like, hopping across the narrow sea, um, you know, easily going up to... Um, 
Fast traveling. Just like, yeah, fast traveling when, you know, people like spend, I guess, chapters and chapters and like episodes and episodes long, just like, oh, how did we get across this bridge? And like, Danny's like, oh, I need my ship so I can go across the narrow sea. And like, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden that's just like tossed out the window um, because like, you know, these ships appear and like all of a sudden people are just like flying and um I don't know. Yeah, that's why it, that's why it didn't really make a lot of sense in season eight specifically for me. Anyways, it was like I I was I'm okay with them making Danny the villain and like her going crazy, you know, doing whatever. But like, I just didn't buy it at all. And like, sure, like they were foreshadowing that she was gonna do something bad, but like in the past, she only did it to you know bad who she considered bad people. And, like, in the span of the end of an episode, or, like, the last quarter of an episode to the first half of the final episode is where, like, all of a sudden she, like, changes completely. Like, she's just like, oh, I'm bad now, I'm gonna kill women and children now. And if they would have, like, made more, or had more episodes to work with to build that up then I would totally be fine with it, but everything just felt rushed. Everything felt rushed. That was my biggest problem, is I didn't buy any of, really, anything that they presented. They're like, oh, we killed the Night King. Okay, let's go to King's Landing. All right, we uh, killed Cersei. Oh, shit. Daenerys. Oh, now she's going to kill women and children. Oh, Daenerys is dead. Happy ending. You know, it just felt rushed. It, it, it should have had longer than six episodes, at least, at the least to build some bit up you know yeah it's interesting to unpack because it's really clear that the show production still stayed like as great as it had ever been um we saw fantastic just set pieces and battle sequences and cinematography and music that has always been uh incredible and just Probably. part of this incredible television production but the just the the decisions they've made as far as how many episodes they want to do and the way it just feels like we got so shortchanged is I think kind of just gonna go down as one of the biggest mistakes in television, and it's kind of oh, gonna yeah. leave a like yeah. a sour note on this show in particular because there's there are very like stark differences in quality just because of that stark. between the final seasons and the <laughs> earlier seasons. There's quite enough of that. Um, so... That's, I, yeah, that's where I felt like literally every single episode for me from season one all the way to now looks great. You know, may, maybe there was some weird CGI stuff in past, in past episodes, past seasons. That's totally fine. I'm willing to what is Look weird CGI that. stuff? I don't know. Just like, just looked weird. You know, dragons stuff oh, like did that. Did the dragons look funny? Minor complaints. I always thought the minor. dragons looked great. I think like, I think it was like the second episode of season eight where they looked kind of weird. Yeah, you but could probably just, like, show me a scene and I'd be like, oh yeah, that looks a little. Goofy. Yeah, but that's that's completely you know that's fine. I'm a whatever with that. But and my my only complaint like the only negative thing about the show where it shows is just for me the writing like i said like 
but the thing is with season eight specifically that's where it like shows really bad like that's where but everything else is fine the music the score was fantastic i love the score especially the night king theme i still listen to that i still listen to that on spotify so good but like i said just the writing and just how rushed it felt it just felt that was just the one thing for me why i did not like i loved i loved episode three of season eight um there you know the complaints with people having plot armor that's totally fine and then at the end of season or episode three when the night king loses and all of that happens and that's when i was like oh no i don't know if i want this and then i just didn't like the rest of the season and it ended with a super sour note for me and i was like i just i just hated the final episode i just did not like it at all i don't know but that was literally like like i said my only complaint was the writing for it so yeah, and I think I just want to reiterate. I don't think it's the screenwriting. I think it's the production decisions that were made to shorten yep. the series. So I don't. I I understand how that can be misinterpreted as the writing, but I don't think it's the writing whatsoever. Um, I know people have been talking about, like the I guess strengths versus weaknesses of the show, and I just kind of like wanted to get what your thoughts were. But like, what did the show do really, really, really well, consistently? Um. And like narratively, and then I guess we've, we've been talking about what we didn't like about it, but I guess to, to be a little bit more positive for a second. Just like overall or um, the recent season? I think overall. just like overall. I think one quick thing I can mention is I like, speaking from the source material specifically, I think I really like seen martin's take on the fantasy genre and how they adapted that uh i think it's a really refreshing take in like uh, so much of our media is popcorn flicks where you have heroes go through kind of the default hero's journey arc where they set out on a journey they refuse the journey they learn they end up in a dark place they overcome it and they uh come out on top in the end and that's why they're heroes and i think that's always been a really unrelatable story um like as cool as it is to see luke skywalker succeed in star wars it's like it, it it's such a formula it, it's just such a, like a default formula that has been adapted throughout both hollywood film and through tv and it is really unsatisfying to me whenever that gets used whether it's in the mcu or just a like a Fast and Furious film or whatever. Like it's it's so easy to get away with, and it seems to satisfy a lot of audience. But I find it really refreshing to see how things play out in Game of Thrones because Martin clearly has his a, a very new spin on the genre. He's inspired. He his inspiration is is heavily steeped in Tolkien, but he subverts a lot of the heroicness of of Tolkien. He makes oh, yeah. it clear that there are no heroes or villains that there is a, a sense of gray morality throughout this world and it it really adds a lot of complexity that i think is missing throughout so much of media where you can look at star wars and see the imperials and the rebels and you know which one are the good guys and which one are the bad guys unless you're like a maga head i guess at this point um 
but it's so much more difficult in in Game of Thrones, which is why I I always uh, I I found it so interesting how I just from my like <laughs> from projecting my own moralities onto the show as you're supposed to do like I do throughout like season four and five and six it's like Cersei Lannister is this tyrant who must be stopped and then at a certain point she is imprisoned and she's uh, tortured mentally and she's uh, marched naked through the streets and at that point I found myself completely on her side and 100% happy to see her get her revenge by blowing up the Sept of Baelor that was a triumphant moment for me at least I'm not sure if everyone felt that way but I, I feel like that's the way the show meant for it to be was that kind of like you're supposed to have very mixed feelings about it like yes it was a tyrannical and murderous thing to do to, to murder all those people but also they had it be the payoff to a series of of challenges and humiliation that she went through to a point where at that point I felt like it was a satisfying payoff even though it was a horrible thing to do and so I the show has always made you like kind of question not necessarily question your morals but kind of make you think about who you're rooting for and that's always been really interesting to me to see yeah i th- i think that's what george is really good at doing though is like taking a character and making you hate him and then having him go through a series of events um to change that character and get you to actually like him um jamie lannister a good one um theon oh my goodness uh, not theon is another one as well too even even essentially the hound kind of but um yeah, so like think of think of Jamie Lannister. First season he throws a kid literally out of a tower and paralyzes him. His has an incestual relationship with his sister and just like is hated throughout a lot of the north and stuff like that. But then later on, um especially when he loses his hand and has that whole situation with Brienne, um he starts to get more humble and like knowing like, you know, I'm not the same Jamie I am anymore, especially not in my prime, yada, yada. And he definitely changed, like, you know, he goes inevitably goes back to um, Cersei at the end. Oh, it's kind of interesting, but um, like he, he gets you to like these characters that you were supposed to hate, which is just good, which that's good writing. That's getting you to like somebody that you're supposed to hate. You know, Cersei, for example, for um, Travis, like you said. Like, I think that just makes an interesting dynamic to the story that you're telling. Like, like you said, everyone's in gray. Um, you don't know who's going to be necessarily do the right thing morally to you or the right thing in general within the storyline and stuff. And, um, I think that's just what I really enjoyed about the show, getting me to like characters that I thought I would end up hating beforehand. Except Ramsey Bolton. (laughs) (laughs) Like with the whole, the the hero's kind of journey thing, like Travis mentioned with Star Wars, is of course you've also got why it's being written that way. Like Lucas kind of set out and wrote like a, a traditional mythic story because Star Wars is very, like A New Hope is like this very, by the numbers kind of traditional story in the time of like that came out in the 1970s when a lot of stories like that weren't really being made mm-hmm. and that was like it was a big thing and that's one of the things about why star wars and new hope sticks around because that formula as formulaic as it is 
is tried and true, and it's part of numerous stories around the world. And with George R. R. Martin, he didn't set out to write kind of like a traditional mythic story. He set out to write like a history. And with that innately, you kind of have, you know, no one in history or very few people in history are like the bad guy and very few are the good guy. Like George has said in interviews that he like drew a lot of inspiration from um, the War of the Roses in the United, in like England and like, I don't know, like the 1400s or something like in that there were two big houses, the House of York and the House of Lancaster. Neither one of them were the good guy. Neither one of them were the bad guy. But depending on your perspective or your point of view character, you know, you kind of shape that like with Cersei from like the early seasons on. It's like, yeah, fuck Cersei. And then later on, when we're seeing her tortured and we're spending a lot more time with her perspective, it's like, oh, no, wait, no. Oh, oh, fuck. It, it, it's, it's shifting around in this world. It's not like like with Tolkien and his equal, like kind of focus on this mythos of Sauron is like evil incarnate. With Lord of the Ring, I mean, with the Game of Thrones, eh, you know, there's it's point. It depends on point of view from characters. It's a very different focus. Yeah, and with him bringing inspiration from real world stuff, like my favorite thing about Game of Thrones is just like the idea that it's like essentially what real life would be if we had um kind of low level magic and you know dragons and stuff like that. Like I think this universe would be like what humans would actually do with this kind of stuff, you know? Like that's that's how I kind of see it and that's why i buy it and that's why i'm like into it like yeah humans are awful humans are shitty we do shitty things like imagine humans with magic and dragons now like they're still gonna do shitty things and stuff like that so i I think he does a good job of like keeping it like grounded in reality even though it's fantasy like um you were bringing up too but that was that was those are like two of my favorite things about it too. It's just um, his his way to keep characters in the gray, like you said, Travis, and then just keeping it grounded in reality, even though it's a fantasy. Why don't we take a quick break uh, and we'll come back and talk about more Game of Thrones. All right. Alright, we're back, and I'd like to take the last bit of this podcast to really dive into the ending, and looking at the ending of this show as an adaptation of Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire, because that was kind of one of my big takeaways from it. I guess the short version is that I am glad to have seen the way that it ends and to know that this ending although the books are not finished yet was comprised of or was formulated or what formulated what the fuck was (laughs) was crafted based on uh basically an outline that martin had given them right about how the show will end and from that i gather like he probably gave them some very specific plot points right um Danny is killed by John after destroying King's Landing, and maybe some vagueness about the fates of some of the key characters: Arya, Tyrion, John, Grey Worm, Missandei, so on and so forth. Is Missandei a book character? I have no idea. She is. Cool. 
Um, that being said, I it felt like a like a weight off my shoulders, right? To to see the ending and to know that like on kind of a, like a superficial scale, like I I feel like I've I've just gotten a peek into George R. R. Martin's notebook and now I know the bare bones of like how a song of ice and fire ends. And with that comes this dissatisfaction of knowing that the show was not given as much room as it needed to be to to give us a great ending to the show. And we I, I feel like we still kind of have the books to look forward to, but I feel like there was this kind of a perfect storm of mess that had to do with David and Dan's decisions on when they wanted to end the show, George R. R. Martin's inability to release the rest of the books, and decisions from creative people all around that just kind of culminated in this perfect storm of, you know, okay, so we've already talked about that, but I, I guess my takeaway f- was that I, I felt like the thematic resonance of Martin's work really shown through, especially in the last couple of episodes with Danny tearing down the city and with seeing kind of like, it's up for debate, right? Whether there, there are some certain points throughout the show, season six and onwards, five and onwards, even that I can kind of innately. And I think a lot of other people innately can feel like, yes, this feels like this feels like it would be straight out of the books. If the books were, were there had continued, but then there's other points. Like, I'm not sure, like Bran being elected King of, of, of the six kingdoms and some of the other decisions that were made at the very end of the show. I, I'm not sure. And I, we won't know until those books are ever released. Um, but the points that really did to me feel like this is what Martin's building towards, I can distill to two things. Danny burning down King's Landing and Danny being killed by John. And those really feel like the culmination of where Martin's headed and where we'll see uh, the books go in terms of finishing off this very thematic dark fantasy story that he's been telling. I think the the show did a fantastic job as an adaptation. Um you know, like, you know, I, I feel like I could, I understood where they cut out specific characters because, you know, like, that cast is huge, right? And mm-hmm. um, I understood, you know, kind of like cutting some plot points and, you know, like weaving other things in and sort of combining them together. Um, and I think that when you know like the 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 source material kind of like didn't was not able to like keep up with with the tv show um they just sort of had to like lean on the themes right and so i think that's again where our sort of discontent with the writing in air quotes comes from (laughs) because there's you know there's just like a lot of like you know missed opportunities for like character development exposition that makes sense and um where i feel like you know late the later episodes or seasons kind of fell on to like touching moments and then like epic battles which you know are the main plot points obviously um but i felt like what made game of thrones more interesting was that you got to see all of the points along the way. You know, it was a very, like, breadcrumby, you know, and, and, like, Martin describes his his writing as, you know, like, growing a garden, and you just, like, see the slow, meandering process. Um, 
And when we didn't get the slow meandering process, you know, they just had to like really decide to commit to like um, the, 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 I guess the outline. And we just sort of like missed out on the little stepping stones along the way. Yeah, for better or for worse, it feels like it's gone from an intricate television show to more or less what you'd see in like a Hollywood popcorn flick. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to open it up for people to weigh in on kind of two of the big ending points. Um, I would like to talk about the Battle of Winterfell and the 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 defeating of the Night King and the Army of the Dead. And I would also like to talk mm. about uh, the Mad Queen turn. Um, if anyone wants to weigh in on either of those things from kind of the perspective of the greater work that it's being adapted from, I think that's interesting. John talks to Daenerys in the throne room and he's talking about what about the other, what about other people? And then she says, like, they don't get to choose. First, in like my head, I just thought, like, I don't mind this turn. I just really, really wish we had more time to like flesh this out. Yeah, and I think like, that's just... the best read on it. I think people saying yeah. like this is not how Danny's character should have ended up are flat out wrong because this is 100% where Martin's going with it in the books. It's not like a dumb decision made by the showrunners and it's very in line with the themes of this uh, story and it has been set up for her to end up this way but it's yeah just... it's just it it moves it's just it moves yeah. too quickly and it's like i lo like like i think i said during maybe the last time we talked about a game of thrones that where it's going is like i don't mind what's been happening i just think we need more time exactly yeah it's just, that that thing. moment was like i'm fine with this but this is moving too fast like, imagine the Battle of Winterfell that was two episodes. A lot more of the main characters died. There was bigger stakes. And the Dothraki and the Unsullied didn't respond the next episode. <laughs> yeah, the Dothraki charge into the fucking undead. And then episode later, half the Dothraki are gone. Oh, okay. All right. I guess like half the Dothraki just fucked off to wherever and then came back. And then... <laughs> there there's like a horde of them that seems like just as many as attacked the undead at the battle of winterfell uh outside of um the ruined red keep it's like oh my god there's so many where are they coming from i, I would have been like i would have like waved it off if they didn't like if the directors didn't literally say like oh we basically watched the extinction of the Do Do dothraki and then like the last couple episodes you see like thousands of them and i'm like what like i thought they just got, i thought we just watched them get extinct like that's why i was so hyped about episode three i was like they just well it was it was kind of a dumb decision to just have them charge into, <laughs> into oh yeah a light cavalry it's that total war yeah. big brain think strategy i know oh, like they won't um, expect this even though it's just an army of undead that don't actually think it's a genius and idea. They just genius. I know, I, right? Man, that whole... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I try not to think too much about, like, 
why things are happening in the big battles because none of them have made too much sense to me. But like, yeah, the Battle of Winterfell was just like, all right, we're going to go outside the wall so we can go back inside the walls. Like that to me just kills me. It's just so funny. They've got this whole barricade system and then Grey Worm has to pull this lever to like drop a bridge and he has to leave many of the Unsullied on the other side. And it's like, why are you guys not in all inside the walls? Why did you wait outside? And then they all press enter to respawn the next episode. I was really disappointed with that episode because I felt like the whole like existential threat of the yes. White Walkers was not actually handled like an existential threat. Like, yeah, like people said they're like, oh, you know, like this is literally the end of the world. And then it's just sort of it it happens and Arya's really badass and appears out of nowhere. And then materializes. like materializes it just materializes out of nowhere and then like I guess they established that like oh when you kill one white walker you kill all the the, the things that it created. But they also established that the Night King is like I don't know, like he literally could kill anything in like hand to hand combat and everything, like grabbed her out of midair. He could have just snapped her throat there. Why do you you know? I don't know. I, I guess I'm overthinking that, but yeah, but just, I, uh, I just felt the, like the whole existential threat. Yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I just felt like that really, it really fell away from some of the larger themes of the show. Um, that like things are evil, badness happens. You know, like yeah. there are no heroes, and I just feel like oh, we have this like super. Just like I was also really upset by, um, um. Liana Mormont, where she like got to stab the 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 zombie in the eye, and I was just like, she oh, should have just like crumpled. Like I just thought yeah, that was, was so just like fucking stupid. Like it was just like a it was like a fan service moment, and I also feel like just calling it fan service is really also kind of cheap. I hate fan service, but um, or just like you know criticizing it as only fan service, I think is just like a a cheap way to to argue. Um. But I felt like they just kind of like tossed out like every single sort of moral of the whole show and the whole story of A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones just for like these like epic sort of like flying out of nowhere, stabbing a a, a giant in the eye while you're also dying. I just my yeah, my biggest gripe with that, especially like you were saying, the existential threat. But that's why that's also a huge thing. I forgot to kind of touch up on this. It was a huge thing why I was attracted to it. Like the whole political thing, everything going on within Westeros, like everyone's hate each other. Everyone's trying to take over the Iron Throne. But then you have this looming threat in the background that's just getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And finally, it's here. So that's just making literally everybody within Westeros like put down their political stuff put down their like i was getting so hyped up when like they had to bring uh, a white walker to cersei to show her like this is real like we're all gonna die kind of thing and just i wanted that to be the theme like i guess that's just for me i guess sure and um the biggest thing with it is like i didn't also i also didn't want the night king to just be evil for evil's sake like i i a lot of people thought he had a purpose that he was serving a purpose 
that he wasn't just evil to wreak havoc on everything that he was trying to restore balance or something like that who knows but like i just i just it would have been so much better to me if the um winterfell battle the battle of winterfell <laughs> i don't know why i said that backwards um you know essentially that could have been the last episode like if everything built up to like that for example rather than it happening episode three them winning nobody essentially aside from like three side characters dying and then they immediately go back to their political affairs you know that's why i was like i like after episode three i just didn't care that was the biggest thing i just didn't care anymore um but like i I just love the whole looming threat thing that was my one of the biggest um attractions to the um game of thrones story in the tv show for me yeah what i'll add about about that (laughs) uh is it's going to be really interesting to me if these books are if these books ever arrive to see how this plays out because the way that the battle for winterfell ends is going to haunt me for a very long time um until yeah. I I get until I can read the real resolution of this, and the reason is that uh, up until so I talked kind of about like kind of an innate ability to to kind of feel like this feels like this is something that Martin would have written here in these theoretical books that don't exist yet, right? Um, the thing is that the Night King is not one of Martin's creations. Uh, the Night King, as he is introduced in season four, is is not introduced in any of the five books that Martin has released. Uh, in the books, there are allusions to a legendary Night King, but there is no character who walks around north of the Wall, takes babies, and raises an army of the dead. And so when this character was introduced in the show, I and a lot of people felt like this was... This, this was a, a part of Martin's works that he had yet to introduce, but that the show was getting in here because they had Martin's outline, they knew where it was going, and up until the Battle of Winterfell, I felt like the White Walker invasion was playing out the way it would in Martin's books. Um, I was really interested to see what Game of Thronesy angle uh, the show would go, and the, and the, the storytelling would, would go as far as resolving the White Walker threat. I knew like deep within my bones that the that the that the night king would not be defeated with an obsidian dagger and the entire army would not drop dead because that would not be game of thrones and yet that's how that episode ends so it's going it's extremely curious to me that that's the way that went i in the books i know the events of hard home take place john isn't present there but the white walkers are moving towards the wall like last known thing we have from the books so it feels like a white walker invasion is coming the night king has yet to be introduced i i i'm just like i'm at a loss for where this is going to go in the books and it's frustrating to me the way the show played it out and it's also i have a lot of anticipation to see how this actually plays out uh, like in what i would consider like the true ending from from martin's works if that makes any sense I'm just curious if other people felt that way as well. Yeah, I definitely would agree with what you said. Um, 
I feel like just the whole, yeah, like the whole threat of the White Walkers was just kind of... It, it was... I, it was more like, ah, zombies, ah. Yeah, I feel like it was just there <laughs> to like give the, the, the character something to do um, for a lot of the story. Because I guess to... to I guess the showrunners, the the political, um, I guess, intrigue and drama was, was more important than this kind of larger existential threat. And I really, I guess in my reading of the books, I always thought that the White Walkers were going to be like part of like the large, like the, the, the culminating conflict, you know, it was going to like entwine with sort of the 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 final like push for who wins the game of thrones and that kind of thing um yeah and that's the thing is i i think if if winds of winter were released ever i think that could very well be how martin writes the white walker thread it could be that they march south and they are stopped at winterfell and the night king is a is a character and he uh is the like the the final boss and his minions drop dead um, I, I say that because I know that in the books there is a quest line about a, uh, a fake Aegon Targaryen, and that takes up a, a, a large portion of, I think, just correct me, books four and five. Yeah. Um, and th- this is a, this is a plot line that, uh, has been theorized about pretty heavily and was completely omitted by the show. And so that was an indicator for a lot of people. A lot of people read that as, oh, like. It's pretty clear that he's fake Aegon Targaryen. Uh, Martin is maybe writing this as just kind of a red herring or to maybe complicate his story, add more things to happen, but it's not really going to have any weight in the end. Is is the way, That's a, the way a lot of people seem to have, have read it, who had read the books and were now seeing the way the events play out on the show, realizing that he's not a part of them and kind of taking it as their cue uh, that he is inconsequential to the ending. I think... He's going to have consequence to the ending. I I think it feels like Martin's outline wasn't as uh, thoughtful as maybe we kind of wished it had been. Um, clearly, like the fact that he says he's still like struggling to write the books must mean that he is having some some internal conflicts about where things are headed, uh, or just trying to find the best way to make these things intertwine. Um, clearly, he knows his ending, but I, I, I think it's maybe safe to say that he's having a little trouble figuring out how to intertwine all of these things, including the Aegon, or the fake Aegon, uh, storyline. Um. I guess I, I always saw the, the fake Aegon Targaryen storyline to be sort of, like, to add to, I guess, like, Tyrion, I guess, to develop very some more, and then, you know, to, like, I guess, as like an additional threat to Daenerys, um, yeah, and just a, sort of a, like a good to, to like add conflict and to like push their own development as characters, um, and I guess I guess kind of like inconsequential to like the big. So how does it resolve? But I I think kind of like back back to what I said before about what I loved about this show is that like it was so complex, like all of these players just kind of like worked so well together and um really developed each other in really thoughtful ways and it wasn't just about like 
plot points happening. It, it was like people responding to events and, you know, applying their own context to other contexts. It was very more realistic as opposed to just like, oh, you know, I get from point A to point B to point C. Um, yeah. Yeah, a, a good uh, a good interpretation that I read online was that in the books, uh, in in a theoretical release of the Winds of Winter slash A Dream of Spring, um, the fake Aegon would uh, would collide with Daenerys Targaryen, and this would th- it would play out in a way that helps contribute to her turn to the Mad Queen in a way that the show kind of glossed over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in that sense, like if Martin is also writing the White Walkers to be stopped dead at the Battle of Winterfell. I I think like like I can see that happening possibly in his works, but if it does happen, it would definitely have a lot more consequence that the show didn't really seem to um didn't really seem to par- to to partake in. Like it it feels like at at this point everything must be contributing to some of the core characters' arcs, contributing to Danny's arc, John's arc, Tyrion's arc, even. Mm-hmm. And I think in the books, the Battle of Winterfell must have a larger impact on characters like John, Danny, uh, and and Arya and Tyrion, if that's if that's the way that that his White Walker invasion plays out. You know what I don't understand? What what did Varys do with those notes he sent? Where did they go? He burnt them. Oh, that's right. He burnt. Them. I thought. I th- for some reason I thought he sent them like with a raven. I was no, like, I didn't have time. Did they just not like? I don't know. That was lingering in my head for a very long time. I'm glad that I found out that he burnt them. I just wasn't paying attention to that part. I hope someone collects his rings. Holy. Oh. Oh no. Oh no. My controller fell. <laughs> Rip. To close, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> or just real quick, does anyone have any anything they want to add, especially Rebecca, about what you're anticipating as far as the next books now that you've seen the series? Because it's a very complex season. situation to have seen the show and be still anticipating some books. Um, yeah, I'm really excited just to see like how these events unfold. Um. I, I guess I don't really care that I already know, like, know how it's supposed to end, but because I feel like I'll, like, what I'll get out of it is just sort of, like, experiencing the, sort of, the day-to-day character development and um, just, like, general drabbles that everyone else is, is sort of experiencing. Um, it'll be really cool to see just like Sansa's development um, as a more political player. Because I feel like she's still kind of like coming into herself when we like last leave her off. Um, obviously, we don't know what happens to John. Does he come back? Probably. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want more. I wanted to see, I guess, like, John experience a little bit more trauma with like literally having died um and like just like how that affects his 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 personhood after the fact um 
I want to see more of like the magic develop because there's like the whole like obsidian candles that are lit and um, just like more prophecy kind of like come to light. The whole like Azora High thing, like I really want to see like what that's going to be like. And then um, just like Danny kind of figuring out what the hell she's doing over in Essos pulling all that together and getting her across the narrow sea. Mm -hmm. Lady Stoneheart, what's she doing? Lady Stoneheart, exactly. What's she up to? She's dead. <laughs> George R.R. R. Martin <laughs> is pleased to announce that before he releases The Winds of Winter, he will be releasing his novelization of the Game of Thrones TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'm just excited for season nine, honestly. Dude, Duncan Egg. It's going to be an epilogue or a prequel, I guess. Listen, I, Caleb, I don't really know how to say this, but the, the, the episode that we just watched was the final episode of Game of Thrones. There is not, not a season no. nine. No, no, no. No, no. That's kind of why there was the time jump and why it ended the way it did with that little montage. No, they're going to explain more in season nine. It's. Like, they can't just do that, right? Yeah, season nine's going to be Arya committing colonial genocide against the people out west. <laughs> She's going to find America. She's going to give them all smallpox. <laughs> She's going to sail west to the Grey Havens, and she's going to say, ah, India. I still, I still can't get over how their world is called Planetos. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't think anyone in-universe calls it Planetos. I think it's just kind of... The like, well, they only know Westeros, they don't know anywhere else. They know of Essos. Essos. <laughs> oh, I'm, I guess that, I Soft guess that's Rose, true. <laughs> yeah, they know like Essos, they just don't know what's west of Westeros. It's Northeros. I'm just kidding. Because like, everyone who's, who's gone there has died. Or personally, I always liked the mysterious theory about how somehow the north of Westeros wraps around to the east of Essos, and that's why they kind of have the same Long Night legend. Although I think Martin has said, like, that's incorrect. <laughs> I still like, think no, it's no, cool. No, no, no. Well, see, you go north of Westeros, and it's just, like, this advanced society, so there's, like, no point to go back. So everyone just assumes you die, but you're just living a way better life. They've got, that's, like, that's satellites, fine. and they're looking at the people of <laughs> Westeros, and they're like, hmm, the Prime they're Directive watching... says we cannot interfere. <laughs> they can act... There's some act weird people over there. <laughs> they have, like, guns. And they can accurately predict the weather. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, winter's coming in a couple months. So, we have pl plenty of time to prepare. What are people gonna miss about Game of Thrones? Will you miss Game, Game of Thrones? Hawk jokes. Podrick. Podrod. <laughs> As Braun said, you know, Podrick's the one with the magic cock. Yeah, that's Man. why they. That's why during the 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 uh, dragon pit meeting, Braun is like, Podrick, let's go have a drink. Dude, I know Podrick's just like they go off screen, just... and you never see what they're doing, but they're definitely doing stuff with Podrick's cock. <laughs> oh, oh my. More like because cock moments drink. before Braun had been on and on about cocks, like he had cocks in his head. He's on the wall. He's like the Unsullied. They don't have cocks. What's the point if you don't have a cock? 
True. And Jamie Lannister then says it's all cocks in the end. Which unfortunately was not foreshadowing for the ending of the show, but I think it was foreshadowing for what Braun and Podrick were about to go off and do. Yes. Holy shit, cocks are integral to this because when they nominate Bran for king, Sansa tells everybody (laughs) his dick don't work. And then Bran's like, And then everyone west of Westeros is like watching this all happen. They're like, what the fuck is going on with this society that we've been watching over? Uh, Hey, everybody, my brother's dick don't work right <laughs> i know this this guy this man can't be king his wiener doesn't work that's that's all she has to say i was thinking about that i realized that they really are the last of the starks and i felt a bit sad i was like oh yeah it's I, as far as the paternal line goes at least like it's Arya, sansa and bran and john is not of stark blood so fuck them <laughs> I mean, he could just be like, yeah, he'll, he'll be the last of his name. <laughs> just like you, Travis. Thank you. Okay, one positive I want to go out on. He pet ghost. He pet ghost. That's oh, true. Yeah. I was happy. I saw him pet ghost and I was like, okay, John, you gain plus one respect point from me. <laughs> I was talking to Jon Snow on the phone and I, I told him that. Like, look. Get it. It's the last episode. You pet ghost. That's fine. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. The show should have ended with a fade to black. And then we see Robert Baratheon watching uh, television. And he yells, (laughs) piss on that. And he gets up and he says, I want to hit somebody. And then he hits uh, George R. R. Martin. Honestly, unironically, (laughs) I would have loved that. Piss on that. Unironically, I would have 100% preferred that ending. That would have, that would have, well, in addition, I mean, to the rest of what happened, uh-huh. I would have absolutely 100% been on board with that. Wow, yes, yeah, shit. Or like an Avengers Endgame type ending. It's like portals uh, open. What is an Avengers? <laughs> oh, just portals open. <laughs> Go, oh, lots of Everyone that died come comes through. back. The, uh, the yeah. warlords of ET come through portals. <laughs> It cuts to black, and all we hear is Robert Baratheon say, "Your mother was a dumb hole with a fat ass." <laughs> and then she cuts off. He cuts off Daenerys's head. <laughs> what? He's what? Wait, what? He's we he found Drogon and Daenerys's body. Yeah, Damn. he's just talking to a corpse. Shouts <laughs> out, Bobby B. <laughs> That's the true ending. That's all going to be in the books and canon. By the way. <laughs> When uh, when we look back on, uh, (laughs) yes, he is. When we look back (laughs) on Game of Thrones, what what are we going to remember about this show? The characters, the mountain. Uh, I mean, the characters. Yeah, absolutely, the characters. When there's a lot of memorable characters, and I think every single one of them. Except maybe like one or two. I can't really think of any characters that were ah actually Bran. That's one that I didn't really care about. Oh, characters but... you didn't care about. Yeah, but like other than that, like every character like served a great purpose and wasn't just like you know unlikable completely. I really enjoyed the characters in this show. 
I had a super intense emotional response when Cersei and Jaime died, and I think it was because I've really come to really enjoy them as characters, and just sort of, like, they are, you know, in the ground, like, they they are, they have died, they can only exist in, in fan fiction afterwards, <laughs> um, and I guess there was just, like, a it was like sort of like a finality to it where it was just like, wow, like we're coming up on the end of the show. And, you know, these two characters who have been there from the very beginning, um, we didn't get point of view chapters for them until later on in the, in the series, but um, they've been there and it was, it was, it was a lot for me. And I think I'm going to miss sort of like watching them, experience life in Westeros um and 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 just sort of like seeing what they seeing what they do um they feel very real to me um and definitely I'm gonna miss that I know one thing I'll miss uh strangely enough is reading theories about how events are going to play out and what characters are going to do Dude, that's not weird at all. Most of the theories I read, I rolled my eyes at, but there were some theories that were like so good. I this is like this is a dumb thing to say, but I almost wish some of the theories had been the way the show played out. What was your favorite theory? My favorite theory was um just kind of an extension of the the brand time travel thing. Um mm-hmm. specifically like uh, this sounds kind of inconsequential, but like I, I was really hoping for a, a like a reveal that Bran had actually caused some of the the Mad King's madness when he said uh, "burn them all," because it's it's revealed that Bran's voice can be heard through time, and that's how he fucks up Hodor. Um, and I was hoping for more of that. Uh, the way as it stands, the the Hodor uh, situation, I guess, the Hodor incident. Is it seems to be the the last time that Bran fucked up? Like that he had, uh, he saw what happened. He he learned from his mistake, and also he at that point became the Three Eyed Raven and possibly gained like I don't know some innate uh, omniscience that 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 kind of subjected him to to have less desire to go wonking around through time. I guess, but. I, I wish I had seen Bran make more mistakes, have more influence on um, the, the the history of Westeros, I guess. I guess I was I was hoping for a more intricate reveal and payoff about that. Just making he's just ending ending up making a bunch of characters that have names of phrases that they're gonna say and die. Hodor. The catchphrase. Bran so whispers Hod- cocks around Bronn. That's why Bronn's always <laughs> thinking about cocks. Bronn's like, so oh, why do I have so Hodor. many cocks on my mind? So there's Hodor. Who would be? Who? What would another one be? Uh, like, um, I can't. I can't think of another one. Another what? Another Hodor? person who gets like mentally incapacitated? Yeah, like a there, phrase there that they're any. saying for the rest of their life. No, no, I'm just like, like a fake one. Like, he has to hold the door. Um, another one has to. Wipe his ass. Um, <laughs> that's how he dies. I'm lost. I don't know. Nah, this I bit just is, is not working for me. This is this is this is uh one of the theories I read on. Don't worry, it was, it was really dumb. 
Caleb, I really hope you don't ever go into stand-up comedy. I say that <laughs> with all of my love. Ooh, tough crowd. No. Um, hey, you my guys ever theory... wipe your ass? Ooh, wait, oh, <laughs> tough crowd, tough crowd. There's like nobody in the audience. Um, my favorite theory was the brand Night King theory. Um, just because like everyone, I kept reading, reading into it and like the more I read into it, the more it made sense. And I was like, oh shit, that would be actually kind of cool. Like, and plus it would give me the satisfaction knowing the Night King is not dead. Um, where, um, I just always remembered the, the part where Bran was being turned into the three eyed Raven and he gets touched in that, um, vision by the Night King. He has that little mark, um, that was left on him or whatever. And I always thought that was going to play into um, his transformation into the Night King um, later on. I mean, obviously that didn't happen, but it was cool to think about. And um, I always thought about that the more and more like the show continued on. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. And like, you know, maybe they end up in King's Landing. Like, oh shit, Bran's the Night King now. Oh fuck. And we lost the Stark and we have to deal with the army of the undead. I don't know. I always thought that was a, a cool um, theory, but yeah, I I would second that. I that was definitely my favorite theory, mm-hmm. and I hadn't I didn't buy into it until the the Hodor reveal, and at that point, it felt to me like this it was very plausibly, and and I I I very much believed that this was what George R. R. Martin was going to do in his works. Uh, turns out, a lot of the things <clears throat> that I thought were going to that I thought were coming from his works, I was wrong about. Um, that's just how the show went, I guess. So, uh, until the books come out, I guess won't know for sure. But yeah, yep. I'm also gonna. I'm miss... gonna. I'm gonna read the books. You should. They're fantastic. Mm. I mean, they're also I'll, really dense and hard just... sometimes, but they're really fun. Yeah, I a few years ago. Yeah, I actually I started listening to the audiobooks uh this this week or the first one, I guess. I'm not listening to multiple audiobooks like one in each ear, but <laughs> I see like five of them. Yeah, I'm just like trying to consume. I'm trying to You don't like you don't like him? Uh, no. Oh. I think he's Is he boring? I I found I feel him. Like he has a dumb voice and they all sound the same. Like he uses the same voices for every single person. Yeah. And all of the girl characters sound the same. Oh, I listened no. to an audiobook that had a cast for like the first like half and I was like this is great and then the second half had no cast. Oh. And it just went back to the narrator and it was like the worst thing. That's interesting. And I, I, and I, I realized huh. they did that just to like get you into the mood of like these certain characters early on and then I guess into some weird presumption that that would continue but it was weird. Sorry. Just audiobooks reminded me of that. You hmm. should. You will have to send that to me at some point. I'd like to at least listen to what's going on there. It's been a long time, but I'll have to find it. But yeah, if I do. Yeah. I just want Jim Carrey to narrate every single one of the books for me, the audiobook. I don't know how much I'm gonna have to pay for that, but I would very much enjoy that. In his uh, Doctor Eggman, um, persona. That's just Jim Carrey. <laughs> And at the end of every chapter, he goes, hey, you guys ever wipe your ass? <laughs> I'm also going to miss um, just like hopping under Reddit right after the I watched the um, oh, yeah. episode and just sort of like seeing, you know, the memes happen and people's banter and just sort of like experiencing 
it collectively with a whole bunch of other people who are just as invested as I am. Um, well, don't worry. Those memes are not going anywhere because I 100% know for a fact that this show is going to have plenty of those. I know, and but... it's going to turn into like how the Star Wars prequels <laughs> have been. Oh my <laughs> Especially God. with this ending. Like those Star Wars prequels. There's gonna be memes, a still going memes hard. version of the Game of Thrones subreddits. Oh no! Well, that's it's gonna happen. It's inevitable. I mean, like I'm I'm making it right now. Refocus so. <laughs> is already most of the way there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will, did you like go far away or something? I'm laying on the floor. Oh, <laughs> it's just talk about, it's so much out of you to talk about this. No, I'm just, you know, I was just like, I'm getting fatigued sitting in this chair, so I'm moving uh, around. Well, I was going to wrap up anyway, I just, uh, we, I've, all I've, that. I've, I've said oh, all sorry. I've had to say, I want to make sure everyone else has said whatever they want to say, whether it's any, any final thoughts about the show or anything anyone wants to get off their mind about the, the finale, maybe specifically, I guess this is just, your last chance here. Despite all my complaints for the show and my feelings of ambivalence towards a lot of it i am very glad that it happened i've had a Me lot too. of fun watching it i've had a lot of fun talking about it it's been fun to to speculate and be disappointed and to be surprised it's been it's been a wild ride and i would like to thank big martin and the writers of game of thrones and everyone who worked on it because this show was really really great i really liked it on the whole i liked it i have positive memories <laughs> yes absolutely I feel the exact same way. Exact same way. Like, I'm so glad it exists. And I'm so glad we got to experience it, you know, like, in real time. Ooh. I don't think- if... I will never forget Will and I watching the uh, the White Hunt episode and our <laughs> collective bewilderment at the sequence of events that occurred in the last ten minutes of that episode. That- I stood up <laughs> out of my chair, like- when he falls the, into that, the, the ice cold the, water and he pulls himself out in like a full cloak and everything and i was like holy shit and then uncle and then Benjen uncle shows Benjen up is swinging <laughs> around his lantern and then uncle Benjen's john's like come with me and Benjen's like uh no time no room or something <laughs> and then he goes runs and he swings his lantern he hits like a corpse and then the rest just pile on him and it's like yeah i get what is happening Oh man. What's gonna be the next Game of Thrones? Watchmen. Just kidding. Probably one I'm of the spin-offs that HBO is developing. Uh That's probably. interesting. Even though um, it literally is Game of Thrones, but still. But I yeah, mean like I in I terms know, like, of like I'd be very I I'm very interested to see a prequel series. Um I'm really not that interested in the prequel series for some reason. I've just never liked the idea of prequels because they're never really like it's hard to do them right. Like as as it stands, I I doubt that a prequel series would carry over the same staying power as the core series did. And oh, yeah, I look at an not. example like Breaking Bad, which was so like critically acclaimed and popular, yeah. and its prequel series uh Better Call Saul which uh, was also critically acclaimed, but does not feel like it's had the same staying power in terms of popularity 
despite well, I I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's written really fucking well and that you should watch it. But it just hasn't had that same level of popularity that Breaking Bad was able to. Better attain. Call Saul wasn't necessarily a prequel though. It was more of like before what's going on during and then some after. I believe I haven't seen it necessarily, but like that's what the show is. So it's kind of like a separate storyline of what's going on. Yeah, it was it was announced but, as a prequel series is what is that that's the wording I'm using. I, I my understanding gotcha. is that it has since come to like coincide with the timeline of Breaking Bad as well as surpass it. And so in mm-hmm. that sense it it would I guess not be entirely a prequel series, but yeah. Is is there any like TV shows you guys are excited about that are coming out soon? Yes. Um, I love Amazon's... to turn on the old tube and see what's hitting the airwaves. <laughs> the old tube. Uh, you love to pick up the old universal remote and check out the tube. Hmm. Yeah, I love to see signals beamed in onto a big black box in my living room and say, "Hmm, this is nice." There was this new. There was this like dystopian um, show coming to HBO. I forgot what it was called, but it looks really cool. Um, it has what? What's his face? Uh, McAvoy in it. It is called it looks... um, His Dark Materials, and it's an adaptation of the Golden Compass series. Ah, yeah. okay. That looks really cool. I, I'm excited for that, and I'm really excited for the HBO um, adaption of Watchmen, because I, I love Watchmen, and I'm excited to see what they do with it in an HBO Yeah. TV show. At the, at the risk of sounding like a corporate shill, I am fully bought into the brand of HBO at this point. Not just Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, but there are many other shows that I have really loved, and I think that like, like Game of Thrones set the bar for quality, and a lot of these HBO shows carry the same quality. Veep, uh, Silicon you're, Valley. You're not a you're not a corporate shill because Westworld, HBO. Uh, there's so many shows on HBO that like I I yeah. am just really engrossed with, and really looking forward to seeing new seasons. Really looking forward to seeing. <laughs> New shows, Euphoria, and uh, I mean, people were, you know, I, I even, I chuckled at the at the Game of Thrones pre-roll where it was like, hey, uh, guys, we have a lot of new shows coming up. Please don't cancel your HBO subscription. But there, there are a lot of those shows that I am honestly uh, excited to see and, and hope that they're good. Uh, one non-HBO show that I'm excited for. Sorry, um, I promise this will be my last portion. But this is your last ass-wiping joke? Yes. Okay. Uh, Netflix's adaption of The Witcher. <laughs> I am not excited. I'm watching that with I'm a excited, very tentative like, eye. <laughs> just I'm, so can... I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for disappointment, essentially. It's like, god damn it. Like, I, that would be so cool if like HBO picked up The Witcher and created an adaption, because that essentially could have been like the next Game of Thrones. I would have been like, oh yeah. Let's do this. Yes. Geralt? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now Netflix, so I'm like just imagining like really, 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 really low budget Game of Thrones, and I'm uh, like I'm excited, but it's inevitable, inevitable disappointment. Okay, that's that's all I had to say. Yeah, I don't think Netflix is as willing to show sex on a unicorn as HBO might be. <laughs> Damn it! Probably not. <laughs> Like HBO, Game of Thrones showed a full-on nutsack in one episode, close up. That was awesome. Depth of field and everything. Dude, that was fucking awesome. I did. I'm. I agree with you. What a miss, Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, this has been 
Hit Point Pals special coverage of the Game of Thrones series finale titled The Iron Throne. I thought it was going to be called A Dream of Spring. We'll be back with our regular video game themed episode of video game themed. No, our, our regular video game talking episode uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, we have a Sonic theme one. I it's if you if you want to write and produce a Sonic themed Hit Point Pals episode, let me know and we'll schedule that at some point. Um, if it's going to require me to play a lot of Sonic games, I might be a little hesitant about that. Because uh, I'm not very good at them, especially the 2D you platformers. Didn't say, you didn't say no exactly, though. No, I didn't say no. I'd be I'm willing to, no to, right to now. try some Sonic games. <laughs> if you do feel so inclined, drop like, by iTunes, no, leave Caleb. us a review. Fuck no. uh, if you're enjoying our weekly chats, please help spread the word about our show. You can find Hit Point Pals on Twitter at Hit Point Pals. You can find all of the Hit Point Pals episodes on our website, Hit Point Pals dot com uh shortly uh next i think within the next month we're going to be starting our star wars rewatch series we're going to be uh rewatching the star wars films in uh chronological order which means not the order they were released in but the order that they take place in the timeline so we'll be starting with the phantom menace and hopefully by december we can be caught up through the last jedi and we're just going to be taking a look at kind of the culture of Star Wars, how these films have been viewed over the years, uh, kind of the odd turn that the public has made towards films like The Phantom Menace and the prequels in the wake of the sequel series, and also just the way Star Wars fan culture has evolved and some of the interesting dynamics that, that have spawned in this uh, sequel series, uh, and just taking a broad look at that, I guess. Um, I think we'll have a lot of things to say about the Nemoidians in particular. <laughs> so look forward to that. Um, I think that's all I've got here. Anyone have any great Game of Thrones themed quotes to go out on? <laughs> no, I'm no, say it. <laughs> I know you had something good to say. You want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. I should never be stand up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good bit to have in the podcast. We'll have a little section called uh, "Stand Up with stand Caleb." Up. Yeah, we'll insert that take, in our breaks. We'll we'll do a we'll just spend a day recording a lot of "Stand Up with Caleb" segments, and then I can just insert them during the breaks. And there will even be a little. It's like so. Uh, uh, what did the rat say to the chef? Uh, Ratatouille. <laughs> Who he didn't joked? say anything because he was a fucking rat, and the chef immediately killed him. All right, I'll be here all week, guys. All right, I'll all be right. Here all don't week. forget to wipe your ass. Don't forget to wipe your ass. <laughs> every every uh, one of them should on end Twitter. with. Every one of them should end with the rest of us going. I I'm lost. <laughs>
guys knew where I was going with that, though. What I had heck? no. I had no fucking clue. Really? No, no I hope like, Hodor, and then you said someone else, and then Travis said there is no one else, and I was like, yeah, I don't think of any. And then you said, no, I'm trying to think. Like, you said something like one that doesn't exist, and then I didn't know where you were going, and then like you he, said he, like, he, like well, one somebody. who wipes his ass, and I was like, what? I was just trying to think of something like you know, there's like Hodor. He's he's supposed to hold the door. That's his inevitable. <laughs> yeah, but and then, then there's like some dude. What on earth? <laughs> Um, hold the Woo! door. Wipe the, co- the, the concept ass. of the bit was co- what? What would be another? What would be a funny situation for Bran to f- mentally fuck up somebody else and make them have a dumb catchphrase like Hodor? And Caleb, yeah. Caleb's first example was and, wipe my ass. And three hours of sleep, Caleb was like, "Fuck yeah!" I probably would have said the same thing regardless. <laughs> oh no. All right. I am sending. Oh, dude. Fucking. Oh, man. I want to play Luigi's Mansion so bad. I was playing it earlier and (laughs) I forgot how fucking that theme will get stuck in your head so easily. It's been stuck in my head all day. I was going to go insane, but it's so good. I will get you the link, Travis. But yeah, feel free to I would dip. love to go to bed. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. It's been a good talk. For chatting. Yeah. It's always uh, a pleasure. You're always welcome right. to the eunuch courtroom. Yeah. Peace be with you. <laughs> Peace be with you. <laughs> also with you. All right. I am sending it, and you, you guys should listen to this theme. Oh, I already had it pulled it. up. Oh, the Luigi's Mansion one? Yeah. Mario! But, uh, but I, like that, specifically, I like that Luigi is in it. This one's specifically Professor Egad's lab oh. theme. Mario! Oh, that was Will, wasn't it? That wasn't that wasn't a, yeah, like no, a that, drop I've in the been song. saying Mario. Oh, okay. Mario. <laughs> just you keep saying it in time where it sounds Damn. like it's part of the song. <laughs> That's I know. how well I remember it. Dude, Luigi's Mansion was so underrated. The game scared the shit out of me. <laughs> really? I played it at a fr- my friend had it, and we would like to play it, and it was like to, to me. I still have a hard time with scary games, but to me, it was like it was like the spookiest thing in the world. Now it's not at all, but it, back then it was like I'm going to have a heart attack and die at the age of seven. <laughs> That's so funny. Caleb, listen to this. Mario. Huh? I said, listen to this one, please. All right. Oh, that's the one I sent you. No, it's not. Oh. Just please listen to it. Oh. Dude, this is this mobile game that's been fucking throwing ads at me. 
or Game, Game of Thrones, of Thrones Conquest. This... Play the official <laughs> browser game of Game of Thrones now. Thank you. And it ha- it has like really weird like 3D rendered versions of like Cersei and John. It sure like, does. All the main characters. I was like, what the fuck? Like this is weird. And like I just love how these mobile games are getting more ambitious with their ads. To the like point where I was just like, they're just not even like close to the game. And it's just not even the game in general. It's another game. Can you remind me of the name of that? Dr- Dragon Awakening? Yeah. You, Caleb sent me a, an ad for a, a mobile game called Dragon Awakening, and the ad was comprised solely of footage ripped from Dragon's Dogma Dark Awakening. I'm sorry, Dark really, Arisen. Really I've never love, played it. I didn't know the fucking I, name. I really like um, those mobile game ads where the footage is obviously fake CG, but they have a corner video like it's a Let's Player actually playing the game. Oh. And it's always somebody I saying... I haven't seen one of those. Oh, I've seen a lot of them where it's like, oh no, they took my hero. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, that sounds oh, great. Oh, whoa, this guy looks pretty good. And they select this character and it's this ugly looking 3D abomination of particle effects. And then they slay the enemy in a fake like CG fight. And they're like, all right, I did it. And it doesn't match up with the video quite right. Oh, those things are so funny to me. Right. It's the same way that like actors in movies don't seem to have any semblance of an idea of how to play a video game or even how to hold a controller. Oh, grab the, the scroll. I, I got the power up. It's it's just vague. And they're like it's on the like, couch and they're like rocking back and forth and they're like pressing buttons that don't correspond with any reasonable amount of inputs. What's one movie that you've seen that's accurately represented a video game within it? None. They don't exist. Yeah. I, I don't believe it. it. There's got to be one. There's not a single okay, one. Okay. No, no. There was a game that came out in the 80s. It was like almost an advertisement for like the Power Glove. No, um, you're thinking of The Wizard, and that movie absolutely doesn't accurately portray them. Was it? Th- well, I to be fair, I did watch it, it when I was little. Yeah, it's an ad for the Power Glove. It's got that. It's also got that's where they first showed off Super Mario Brothers three. And there's right, a scene right. where like uh, one of the older brothers and parent of of like Fred Savage are like in a hotel playing like a mobile game, uh, like a um an NES game, and one of the lines is like, "Oh, oh, whoa, get the magic scroll!" And he's like, "Rock." Yeah, you're right. That's like the farthest off. Like one that I could think of off the top of my head, where it's not like where it's just like. I just like the the movies that like make fake video games, you know? Yeah. Like where it's like ah, somebody one... got like some 3D models and dragged them around. Yeah. Um there was one it was like oh it was um fucking grown-ups. I just remember that specifically like the kids are playing like they were just like, like murdering people on a yacht. And then like like kicks this like grandma off and is like granny overboard and i'm just like what the fuck <laughs> what does hollywood think video games are it's like that's 100 it by the way <laughs> okay here uh, gameplay i'm gonna post this in the uh the group the general these are the ads i'm talking about I just post where it's like people are not actually there. There are people paying on like Fiverr to pretend they're playing a game, but the okay, footage so, like barely oh, yeah, matches yeah. up, and so they have zero enthusiasm. These things are so funny to me. He should have scouted me. He should have scouted me, dude. I've seen so many of them. Oh my god! Like the Mafia City videos. That I don't get it. That's this is this works. isn't how you make an ad though. No part of this makes me want to play the game. 
And this it's not, not it's like, not just because I know it's going to be a bad game. It's because this is yeah. really ineffective advertising. Like if you saw you this same think, thing on TV like, for like a, like a car dealership, you'd be like, what the fuck? Why is it that all mobile phone ads are like not exactly this, but they're all like some variant of unconvincing. Like, I just don't understand. They're, they're just so bad. Oh, game of war. Oh, Remember, what the like, hell they is had this? Kate upped in it. Why is there an anime like, girl in real life? Okay, she's just my girlfriend <laughs> in the game. She loves playing with fire, though. Check it out. She's I like how they like well, take actually. footage of really like cool, right? actual games like, it, that exist on the PC more than likely, and just put like a mobile game controls over it, if you want as if like someone's playing it. Just come down to the game. Join in that video you just posted, I love the, the woman in like she's wearing a headset, but it just in while playing a mobile game, and it's so echoey. Wait, we we all saw that video of the CG girl <laughs> in the McDonald's with the guy, right? Yeah. I can't believe someone wrote that. There's no fucking way that's an actual and game on mobile, dude. How do mobile games like this not get sued oh, no for that? How do they make money? Like, people are evidently... These ads are evidently working. Yeah, because people... Hang on, I'm trying to fast forward, because in the in the scroll thumbnail, I thought I saw a shirtless guy in the corner. Yeah, uh, you gotta it's right remember, after the it's woman at to... near the start. Oh, there it is. There. Oh, there's just, like, a flash frame of him. Oh, and then... Oh, what? There's, there's a girl in, like, panties? And, like, a really low-cut yes. shirt? It's, it's filmed bed. at an angle where couch? you're clearly just supposed to be looking at her cleavage. <laughs> Like, yeah, like what Travis, you said with like these kinds of ads wouldn't work with anything else. It's like I can't think of like any other actual like, I don't know, desktop or console games getting marketed that way. Like, oh, wow, I'm playing the new Halo. Oh, that Covenant's got a pretty good weapon. Oh, I'll use this. All right. Yes, I got him. It just doesn't work. Well, the closest thing is like uh, the Anthem trailer. Or like the the yeah the Division trailer. They like try to like get like voice actors to play the game and it's gamer like chat. nobody Rainbow plays Six it like Siege that. Siege at E3, they had that fake gamer chat and it was just like these people like they've played this game online. Nobody talks like this. My favorite this guy that was like dissecting it and like he's like wow, this guy missed every single shot on this person. Well, here's um, how here's Rainbow. how you here's how you do this in the right way, right? You get the vertical you 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 get the the vertical right you get a really good vertical with some twists and surprises in it you sit the players down and you just record them playing it live for the first time and then you get genuine reactions just as long as your oh, vertical's but, good but but Travis our game isn't good we're only going to get bad reactions that doesn't That's work. a fair point. <laughs> we need all right all right now listen ma'am i need you to no 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 uh, i need you to put, put wear a push up bra okay cool I need you to say, oh, wow, all the time while you're playing our game and we'll record you on like a 480p webcam. The funny well, thing is, this I is like what how a lot like, of, like he just advertising and stuff like that now is like they're actually showing like Twitch streamers and like people actually playing the game. I've noticed that they've been like putting like throwing up like clips for pe that actual people have been playing um, from the from the game itself and stuff. So well, I'm see, like, that's that's, that's that's good. That's that's way better. Like, this is actual stuff that people within the community are doing. So, but also a lot like the bad voice actors, big streamers get paid to play games that they would not have otherwise been playing. 
just as a way to promote the game. And they're required Ninja. to like not say anything negative about the game in a lot of cases. Ninja got paid a million bucks to play Apex. Yeah, that's a primary example. Ugh. Pretty good deal. Man. I mean, hey, I I respect him on his respect hustle, hustle, but you know. No, yeah, hustle, for yeah. sure. It's like imagine getting paid a million. Well, he's not really on the hustle game. anymore. He's he, yeah. he was successful, so he's hustled. it's not so much the hustle anymore. It's respect the uh, pretty much runs position, Fortnite I now. guess that he's in. George R. R. Martin posted a blog update today talking about how he did some consulting work on a video game from a Japanese studio. <gasps> um, he. He says that the mysterious game is being developed out of Japan. Um, From Software is the developer, and uh, Miyazaki is working, reportedly working on the title with Martin. It is an open world title featuring horse riding. That is the extent of the details. I'm gonna nut. This is breathless. That's all the details. Dude, Miyazaki. Extrapolate from that what you will. It could be a Game of Thrones game. It could not. That sounds really cool. You I'd honestly prefer if fucking... it wasn't a Game of Thrones game. I'd love to see yeah. what other shit Martin could come up with, especially hand-in-hand yeah, hand with me. Something tells me it won't be. I feel like it's it won't not. be. There's I wouldn't no be disappointed if it was. Yeah. Or the Japanese I, I don't expect of Game of Thrones. Be. Yeah. No, I, I'm man. very, I don't know, I, I'm very interested to see news of that in the future. If, if it, you know, makes yeah. it out of whatever stage it's in. Yeah. 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 That's exciting. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Please write the yeah. winds of winter. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's knocking on every door. Like, please, uh, please work with me so I can have an excuse. Don't make me finish my books. 